0: If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today.
1: A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more to help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com.
0: This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go, baby, go. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 48 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're digging into IBM's 2019 Marketing Trends Report with Jonathan Chang. Mark Reed Edwards here, back for another episode. Today we have John Chang of IBM Watson Marketing in to chat about the 2019 Marketing Trends Report. That'll take us two episodes, and we'll get to that first part in just a moment. Next time, we'll have part two of my chat with Jonathan. Then we'll have Beth Monahan of Ink House in to talk about fear and the future of PR. And Professor Francesco Gino of Harvard Business School will join us in a few weeks to talk about her book, Rebel Talent, and lots of other fun stuff. We also have Alex Withers of In Motion now on the schedule to talk about his firm's in-house creative management survey. Lots more in store, so stay tuned. Also, we have a hub of activity over at my other venture, the Innovation Podcast, the iPod, we like to call it, with my partner, Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. Okay, let's get into the first part of my chat with John Chang of IBM about the 2019 Marketing Trends Report. Some important stuff here, so sit back, relax, and turn up the volume. Let's get to it. Jonathan Chang, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you
0: here. We're here to discuss IBM's 2019 Marketing Trends Report, which is made up of nine trends that are, according to IBM, remaking marketing. Anytime we hear something like that, it definitely gets our attention, so I'm pleased to have Jonathan here with us today. Jonathan, can you tell my listeners why IBM produced this report?
1: Absolutely. So we think a lot about future marketing trends, especially when developing technology for the future and technology that we think best serves the world. So while doing that process, we identified, you know what, there's already these nine big things we keep talking about. So why not make it also available to the world? And that's what happened. We have these nine trends and ended up publishing them. But these are all things that um, originated from internal discussions.
0: Interesting. So we're going to look at this report over two episodes, and today we'll look at the first five trends. So, Jonathan, let's start with trend one, Marketer 4.0 the emergence of the tech-savvy marketer. I think I pronounced that right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a word that we made up, but yeah. essentially just means that marketers need more technical skill sets. Yeah, And overall, it's maybe five, ten years ago, we thought of marketers with technical skill sets as unicorns. But when you make an expectation like that, what ends up happening is, People pursue it. And now with the emergence of so much different kinds of marketing technology, we actually need marketers with technical skill sets. It's not just a wish anymore. There are essentially five big modern types of skills, and they fall into buckets like design, coding, data, product, and marketing. And those are slowly converging over time. So the when I say martecher, I really mean borrowing skill sets from all five of those categories. And marketing, of course, that's a given. But coding is another uh, big bucket that we talk about in this report specifically.
0: Yeah, what's that quote from uh, Alexis Ohanian? Is it, uh, programming is modern day literacy.
1: I love the man in general, but that's a phenomenal quote. And I think about it all the time because if literacy is such a strong thing, it's like, can you even communicate with other marketers? And that's where we're going. If you don't have programming or coding skills, it's hard to even communicate in the modern form of marketing language.
0: Yeah, early in my career, I did a lot of web work back in the 1990s, and I found in order for me to communicate with the engineers, this was really you know hand-coded web back then, I needed to understand how a web page worked. Is it kind of like that, that if you don't understand the underlying technology, whether it's well, any kind of marketing technology, that you won't be able to communicate with the people who can actually help you?
1: I would say it is at least that because the communication internally and with vendors is critical for success and like web technology if you can't even make the page. And in that example, it might be the difference between even using Word versus a PDF. And that's kind of what I mean by modern day literacy. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you even use a printer? Can you use Word? (laughs) And if we extrapolate that even further, then can you talk about these kinds of changes with engineers? Fast forward from the 90s to like early 2000s when we were really optimizing for search engine optimization. It quickly became and evolved from just keywords and links to, wait, how should this page actually talk to robots better? And marketers needed to communicate that to developers. So if that's at least half of the story, the other half of the story is autonomy and being able to make changes on your own without communicating constantly to developers, to product managers and people like that. Because... If we're thinking, and it's another trend, all these trends are actually interrelated, but if you want yeah. an agile marketing organization and to be able to run quickly, break things the uh, way that we think about modern day work in general, you need the skill sets to work independently. And you can't wait for the next two weeks sprint for engineering to actually make your marketing changes. And so I would say that's the other side of what we mean by marticular. So it's
0: kind of like the self-service economy in marketing, being able to actually make some changes yourself without calling on the engineers.
1: Absolutely. And part of the reason why it became a need and not just a wish in 2019 is because we have so much technology and the web is evolving uh, more and more technically. So what I mean by that is, on average, we actually see that marketers use Dozens of forms of technology, and each of those requires a technical integration. So when a marketer actually works with all the different kinds of technology, if we say dozens of different kinds, it's absolutely ridiculous to expect a developer internally to work with you to do that, because now you're just eating up more and more of their time, whereas the marketer should be able to do more of that on their own. Yeah, Yeah. does that make sense so far?
0: Absolutely. It, it's interesting because a lot of what we're talking about is, is obviously technology in, over these trends. But marketing has transformed from being marketing to being the largest consumer of technology within a company. And that calls for a different approach to it.
1: Yeah, it's a massive competitive edge to be able to move faster than other organizations and to build deeper and better or, uh, integrations with technology.
0: Yeah, one of the fun things to do on on this podcast has been to talk about careers and trends that are affecting the careers of marketers. And the second trend is the director of marketing data becomes the hottest new role. Can you tell my listeners about that one?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If we think about marketing technology and the skills of the marketer, um, those are definitely the most foundational parts of what we're talking about here. And actually, to use a metaphor, if this is kind of like a multi-tiered cake or a wedding cake, for example, the step directly above that is your arsenal of data and content. Without proper and clean data it doesn't really matter what kinds of technology you're using because there are so many issues that can happen. If the data isn't clean, then the queries can break and all of a sudden you're not sending the right message to the right people. And this is becoming an ocean of data that needs to be managed, and contained, <laughs> right. and cleaned, and therefore it's calling for a full-time headcount. This isn't just speculation about what the new job title should be. This is actually something that people are hiring for now, and we're only seeing more and more demand for this kind of role.
0: Yeah, and it's gone from kind of being maybe 10 years ago, someone who just babysits the technology to someone who understands how it works and understands what data you need from that technology to run your business.
1: Yeah, and to actually build on that a step further, it's what kinds of data and technology are necessary for the business, but also being familiar enough with marketing, language, and talk to work on a database from a marketer's perspective. Because the demands are definitely different. If we were only looking from a web manager's perspective, there's going to be things like the ingestion of data from marketing sources and interpretation of what a video view is. I mean, because that's defined differently across multiple third-party channels. Instagram defines a video view differently than YouTube. And this is something where marketers don't have time and it's not beneficial to an organization to have constant handholding. And this is the middle of the Venn diagram between a data person and a marketer. And that is just so exciting for me because now we're able to really then build on top of it, again, like a multi-tiered cake. The stuff above that might be personalization, like deep segmentation and deep personalization to make it a better experience for both the business, but the customer, because at the end of the day, this really comes down to the customer. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today.
0: Yeah. And I wonder whether that Venn diagram is gradually transforming into a circle.
1: Yeah, it is slowly converging more and more and more. In my opinion, I'm not sure if it's ever going to be a full circle because we do need specialization outside of each side. Yeah. But we'll see. Who knows? You'll have to wait for the 2020 report.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it might look like a really kind of tightly configured pair of binoculars, right?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, So the next trend is... Another one that I've done a lot of talking about on the podcast, and that is AI and machine learning. And your trend is AI and machine learning make hyper personalization a reality. Tell me about that one.
1: Yeah, personalization really is a competitive edge. Again, all of these are so interrelated. So I've actually touched on a little bit here and there. But one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about personalization, and then I'll back into machine learning and AI, is because it's oftentimes confused with just, hey, I want to use your name in an email. Yes, that's technically personalization, but it's not hyper-personalization. We really want to differentiate the two. Instead, we're thinking more so as if a user is on your website and they want to search for sunglasses then they should get the sunglasses that are best for them. An actual like product feed, for example, that's best for them. And for each user, it's actually treated separately. We're already seeing that in Google searches, and that is the customer expectation. Customers expect the best experience in their lives to be ubiquitous across the internet. So you're not being compared against your competitors here. So other forms of hyper-personalization might be a sequence of messages that follow a user around the internet. Retargeting is not new by any means, but actually building a strong narrative and relationship with the user using retargeting absolutely is. So then why is machine learning and AI so important here? And it's because humans are complex. So we look at behavioral data a lot. And to me, those are the basic building blocks of personalization. All this behavioral data is aggregated from multiple data sources. And again, just using social as an example, you already have all the social media channels. And then in addition to that, you have your web properties, your apps, and so forth. It becomes an ocean of data. We have talked in the past about data lakes. Um, I'm not saying that they are formally data oceans, but I like that metaphor. Yeah. It just expands so far, farther than you can possibly see. And for that reason, it's impractical for humans to alone analyze and assess and swim through that ocean of data. And instead, we need a partner, and that partner is artificial intelligence, And because those are the only types of technology that can sift through this ocean of data and help us find the insights and create the personalization. Otherwise, you're just going to continually fall behind.
0: Yeah. Someone on, on the show a couple of weeks ago said, we keep talking about data lakes, but no one's built a data boat. And maybe that's AI and machine learning.
1: Yeah, I think so. Absolutely, data boat, data submarine. It's (laughs) that we need a whole arsenal of different kinds of ships.
0: Okay, the next trend includes another word that you coined: digital marketing agencies transform into consultancies.
1: Yes, consulgencies. Uh, We do love coining terms, and I like this one (laughs) in particular. (laughs) In the last, I'd say, three to five years, we've seen more and more of a need to break down and reconstruct both the consultancy and the agency models. So what we are looking at very specifically, is the scope of advertising here. So a consultancy essentially is a consultancy with an agency. Just want to level that framework yeah, yeah, before we yeah. move yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because agencies are great at letting the users know about the businesses' initiatives in the form of advertising and marketing. And that's awesome. Like, we definitely need that. However, um, like everything we've talked about so far, there's such a large foundation and lead-up to even getting the right kind of marketing out the door that the consultancies that actually work with the artificial intelligence, the data integrations, the customer experience, analytics i can keep going on and on and on, yeah, yeah. all that kind of development work slows down your marketing going to market if it's not in the same shop or if those shops don't work Closely together. So we're talking about organizations like, I mean, IBM, we do that, which is great. Um, but Accenture, PwC, Deloitte, these are all organizations that have for the first time, um, in 2017, really cracked the top consultancy lists. Uh, we saw that with AdAge and it's really interesting because it makes sense theoretically, but we're still waiting for the entire industry to catch up. So I'm glad that we're at least seeing those big four being recognized for the work.
0: Yeah. Now, the next trend is another thing that I've talked quite a bit about on the podcast, GDPR. And it's trend number five in this report. GDPR actually helps marketers tighten up data hygiene and build more customer trust. And it's something that I talked about with Jacques von Niekerk from Wonderman Data last year for the first time. And my thought was that GDPR should be a positive. And that's kind of what you say in trend number five.
1: It absolutely is a positive overall. Uh, It caught some marketers by surprise and it fundamentally changes the way that we have to market. And for that reason, I think that we see all these sensationalist headlines and why there's such rejection of it. But the internet evolves, and marketers need to keep up with that, especially because we're seeing more and more essentially garbage fires happening on the internet where people are yeah. very upset with the lack of transparency. And that's why I think GDPR um, exists. It's not the only reason, but it protects the user's data. So as a consumer... Amazing. And California is even trying to adopt their own, or has adopted their own version. Canada is saying, you know, GDPR isn't even strong enough. It should be protecting our citizens' rights even more than that. So what does that actually mean when we're talking about tightening up data hygiene? Well, if we're kept in check for being respectful to each individual's personalized data, so their PII, then it means that we need to be better at things like personalization. We need to be better at things like Asking the users for what kind of messages they actually want, and then delivering on that promise, which sounds very basic, but and it's kind of ridiculous that it hasn't happened in the past. So I'm glad that we have these rules and regulations that force marketers into um, actually re- treating users with respect in the form of controlling, storing, and measuring their data. Yeah. So. I'm all for it, but it really does make our lives harder. If you're reading the headlines and use cases all across the internet about how marketers have adapted so far, I think it's overall positive. Perhaps our results suffer in the short term, but we are finding um, more and more creative solutions to marketing and advertising, which is great.
0: Yeah, and Trend 5 is kind of connected. Well, they're all kind of connected, but Trend 5 is connected to Trend 3 about hyper-personalization don't you think?
1: Absolutely. And even the director of data. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All of them are connected.
0: It's really one meta trend that you've kind of broken into these nine individual trends.
1: Yeah, absolutely. These trends, if you want to look at all nine from the 30,000 foot view, these all are results of the things that marketers want to happen and marketers fear are happening human psychology does boil down to wants, needs, fears, and desires. And I think that these encapsulate the lives of the marketer in nine individual ways.
0: And we've got four more trends to go. Thanks for joining me for part one of this discussion, Jonathan. Can't wait to get to the second part.
1: Thank you. This is so much fun talking about it. So I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thanks to Jonathan for being here. Next time, part two, we'll talk about agile marketing. The blending of MarTech and AdTech, customer centricity, the emotion economy, Jonathan's takeaways from the report and trends he's watching in 2019 and beyond. So stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly, T. Jordan of A Class Productions, wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Link, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You want cash. You want to get stuff done. So what do you do? You buy five-hour energy, of course. You upload the receipt to 5hewin.com, then find out if you instantly won $10, $100, or even $1,000. Then you drink that five-hour energy and cut through your to-do list like a hot knife through butter. Five-hour energy, the official sponsor of getting stuff
1: done. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 and a legal resident of the U.S. Ends June 30th, 2021. For rules, visit 5hewin.com slash rules. Void where prohibited message and data rates may apply.